Amen indeed. It is good to be in the house of the Lord with the people of the Lord this morning as we sing His praises, as we lift up His name in worship, and as we come to His Word. And I pray that as you come to His Word, as we come to His Word as a church family, that we would come so expecting something. I think it's easy sometimes for us to get distracted by the world and uh, get distracted by things that are coming in and then get just so used to this being a part of our week and not really thinking about it that we stop coming with an expectant heart. And so I pray this morning that as we uh, hear from the Word of God that uh, we would do so with a great desire to hear from Him this morning. I would invite you to turn to Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1, going through verse 10. We are speaking this morning about a passage uh, that may be familiar to some of you as we talk about a guy named Zacchaeus, and no, I am not going to sing the song. Like, just get that out of your brain now. Um, But uh, I think Clint just raised his hand to volunteer, maybe, but... uh, (laughs) Uh, But many of us kind of grew up with, if you grew up in VBS at all or in Sunday school, that may be something that you're familiar with is that song. Uh, But you know, the truth is, we don't remember Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus is not an important figure because he was a wee little man. And he was not an important figure because he climbed a sycamore tree. We remember Zacchaeus because he had an appointment with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ changed his life in a remarkable way. And so this morning as we look at what may be a familiar story, and certainly it may not for some of you, and that's fine as well. I can't wait to introduce you to Zacchaeus. But for some of you that are maybe it's a little more familiar, I pray this morning that, this, that it would be a divine appointment and that you, as you, we look at this story that it would become new and afresh to us, and that we would remember and be reminded of Christ's desire to fellowship with us. And so this morning, I hope that you have found Luke chapter 19. If you are able, would you please stand with us as we honor the reading of God's Word this morning? Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. He entered, Jesus, he entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And Lord, we come to your word and we read this account of Zacchaeus and you meeting 
And Lord, there is uh, some comedy in it, Lord, as we think of a grown man shimmying up a tree. But Lord, at the same time, Lord, there is, Lord, there is much to be had here about your desire to fellowship with us, about your desire to have a relationship with us, and our need for you. Father, I pray that as we go through this passage this morning and as we take a closer look at your meeting with Zacchaeus, that we would uh, fully grasp the things that you are doing here and the things that you desire to do in our life as well. And not only our life, but Lord, the life of those that we come into contact with. Father, we pray this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can be seated. As we get started this morning, we want to take a quick look uh, at Zacchaeus himself. What was different about this man? Why is this uh, uh, passage recorded here? Why is this meeting in particular important? And so just a few things about Zacchaeus as we get started here. First is the obvious that you may have picked up on, which was that he was a tax collector. Now, we've talked a little bit as we've studied the gospel, we've talked a little bit about tax collectors, but just as a reminder, tax collectors were obviously tax collectors. They were individuals, Jewish individuals, that worked for the Roman government, uh, gathering in those taxes that the government was enforcing upon the Jewish nation. The Roman government was an oppressive government. And so the fact that these individuals worked for them, other Jews that they were collecting from saw them as traitors. They were traitors to their own people. They were traitors to the Israelite nation. They were seen as kind of, in many ways, the worst of the worst because they worked for the government, this oppressive Roman government of foreigners. But it wasn't just that. The other thing with tax collectors that, that you may or may not know, but tax collectors at this time often collected more than what they were asked to. So the Roman government, to just give an example, the Roman government might say, hey, you need to collect $100 from this individual, and the tax collector would turn around and go to that individual and say, you owe $150 in taxes. And the individual would be forced to pay it. And the Roman government cared not. As long as they got their money, they didn't care how much the other guy was profiting. And so the people of Israel, not only were these people seen, not only were tax collectors seen as traitors, but they were also seen as often dishonest and often seen as crooks. They were seen as those people, the people that were obviously sinners, Um, And they would have been the butt of jokes. They would have been the bad guy in the parables. They would have been the guy that everybody looked down on. We don't associate with those people. We, We are good Jews. We're religious people. We don't hang around with them. And so Zacchaeus was one of these tax collectors. He would have been... Uh, shunned in this way. But it wasn't just that he was a tax collector. We are also told that he is a chief tax collector and that he is rich. There, if You see that in verse 2 if you're following along in the passage. He is a chief tax collector and he is rich. You don't become a chief tax collector unless you're pretty good at your job. Obviously, he has learned how to play the game. He has learned how to get in with the right people. And so he has risen up the ladder, so to speak, and has become pretty, apparently pretty chummy with the Roman government if they've elevated him to this point. And surely that didn't make him any friends. And the other thing we know is that he's rich. 
Well, the question then is, how did he get rich? Well, we just told you, one of the things that tax collectors would do is that they would collect more than what they were supposed to. So we can imagine here, based on the fact that he was rich, and in his own words later, he's going to talk about defrauding people, that he was apparently pretty active in collecting quite a bit more than what he was supposed to. And so he had gained all this wealth in a dishonest fashion. So you can imagine, beyond just being a tax collector, Zacchaeus was not seen favorably in the community. He was not seen as some guy that everybody loved and adored. Zacchaeus, on the flip side, was probably the guy that everybody looked at and said, he's surely not a believer. He surely doesn't fear God. Surely he is not a religious man. Surely we don't want him in our home, in our synagogue. But something interesting happens with Zacchaeus. He's a tax collector. He's the chief tax collector, in fact. He's a rich man. But Zacchaeus is desperate to see Jesus. He's desperate to see Jesus. We see it in his actions. He is trying to get through the crowd and try to so that he can see Jesus. And when he realizes that he's just too short to do that, he runs ahead on the path that he knew Jesus was going to be taken and he, run, he shimmies up the sycamore tree. And again, as I mentioned in my prayer, that must have been a little bit comedic to see a grown man and all of the wealth that he was probably wearing shimmying up this tree trying to get the best perspective. And you know there had to be some people in the crowd going, are you watching this guy? Like, I'm sure that you've never done that. But like, you know, just watching him, can you believe this dude? Like, we thought he was crazy, but now look at him. He's climbing a tree. And you know they had to have been making fun of him, and, they had to, and he doesn't care. He wants to see Jesus. Now, we're not told here why. We're not told why Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. Maybe Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus because he's heard about all the miracles that Jesus has done. Maybe he wants to see Jesus because he's heard about his fame and, and how people just adore him. But maybe, just maybe, Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus because he's heard something else. He's heard that this guy that is a miracle worker, this guy who is this great religious teacher, this guy who some even say is the Messiah, he loves tax collectors. <laughs> he loves the outcast. He loves the ones that the rest of society says don't matter or are not worthy. He's even heard rumor that one of the disciples that follows Jesus is a tax collector, that he's, the, a tax collector has been invited in Jesus' inner circle. Maybe just maybe Zacchaeus hears all of that and thinks, maybe I can experience that too. Maybe he's desiring that same acceptance. Despite all of his riches, maybe he realizes something is missing. No matter what, we see that Zacchaeus is desperate. And so he climbs this tree. And he gets to experience something pretty amazing. He gets to experience the call of Jesus Christ. We see it there. It says, And Jesus came to the place, the place where the sycamore tree is, and he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. We see first that it is a divine appointment. 
Jesus was passing through Jericho. You'll remember if you've been with us the last couple of weeks that at this point in Jesus' ministry, he has turned and faced Jerusalem and he is walking that way knowing that what faces him at Jerusalem, what meets him in Jerusalem will be the cross. And so he is, he is destined, he is going that way, knowing what's ahead of him. But as he does so, he passes through this town of Jericho and he knows that today... He's going to meet Zacchaeus. It is a divine appointment. There is no accident here. There is no happen chance. Jesus knows what he's doing when he takes this path. He knows what he's doing when he wakes up that morning. That there is a divine appointment to be had. And he makes sure that Zacchaeus knows it as well. Hurry, I must stay at your house today. Not only is there a divine appointment though, but there's also divine knowledge. As far as we can tell throughout the rest of the Gospels, Jesus and Zacchaeus never meet. Now Zacchaeus knows who Jesus is. He's heard of him. He's heard about what he's done. He's desperate to see him. But there's no reason for us to believe that Jesus has ever met Zacchaeus before. But as he walks through the crowd, he sees him and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Can you imagine what is going through what's going through Zacchaeus's mind and heart at that moment? Like he has been desperate to see this guy. He's been de- he'll do he's done whatever it took. He climbed this tree, had everybody make fun of him. It doesn't matter. And now in this moment, this guy that he was so desperate to see is calling his name. Zacchaeus, come down. And Zacchaeus, you can, um, like, it's amazing Zacchaeus didn't fall out of that tree for just being so excited. We see, we're going to talk about response here in a moment, but we see him come out of the tree and it says he received him joyfully. He, he was an excited man. And certainly, like, we, we should have that same excitement when we think about coming and knowing Jesus Christ. So there was divine appointment, divine knowledge of Christ knowing Zacchaeus. He knew that when he called him out of that tree, he didn't just know his name, he knew that he was a tax collector. He knew that he was a chief tax collector. He knew that he was a con artist. He knew that he was a defrauder. He knew that what the rest of the people in the crowd were going to say. He knew that there were things in Zacchaeus' life that Zacchaeus probably didn't want anybody else to know. There was divine appointment and there was divine knowledge and there was a divine invitation. Now it's kind of a backwards invitation is the way we think of it. It says, for I, he says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Now, as a child, I would have gotten in trouble for this if I said, hey, I go, I'm going to go over to Freddie's house. Like, that would have been, no, you have to be invited to come over. Jesus doesn't, doesn't worry about those things. Jesus says, I'm coming to your house today. I must come to your house today. He gives a divine invitation to Zacchaeus. He wants to have a relationship with him. You see, to dine with someone, and we've talked about this a little bit in the past, but in this time period, to be in someone's home and to share a meal with them was not just about getting to know them better. It was not just simple fellowship, but there was deeper meaning. It was an acceptance. It was a, a desire, a, a signal that there was a relationship between those individuals. There was something special about sharing a meal where you were breaking it with your hands and then you know sharing sharing different parts of that meal with each other 
There was a, a deeper connection that was made in an invitation like this. And yet, this Jesus, who we know as God in the flesh, perfect and holy, sinless and blameless, innocent to the utmost degree, holy of holies, righteous beyond blame, looks at Zacchaeus, a sinner of all sinners, and says, I want to know you. I want to fellowship with you. Yeah, I know what people say about you. Yeah, I know what they're going to say about me if I go to your house. Yeah, I know what you've done in your past. But I want to know you. I care about you. I know your name. I know everything about you. And I want to have fellowship with you. That should blow our minds. That the creator of all things desires to have relationship with the least of these. Now this is not in your notes, but it's a good point probably to stop here and notice what other people say. You see there in verse 7, when, it, when they saw it, who's they? It's the crowd, it's the people that are following Jesus it's the other people of Jericho. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. They grumbled. Sometimes we like to read these stories and we, we only want to put ourselves in the place of Zacchaeus. And certainly I, I hope that we are. But we must be careful as well, and I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this this morning, but we also must be careful that we're not the grumblers. That we're not those who stand in our little holy huddle and point to others and say they're not worthy to join with us. That we're not going to be the ones that stand in our little groups and we say they can't be a part of us. We don't want them here. That we whether, whether we do it with our actions, our words, we pronounce judgment on others whose sin is more visible than our own so that we may feel better about ourselves. We must be careful that we're not the grumblers in this spot. Jesus doesn't care about the grumblers, though, and neither does Zacchaeus. It says Zacchaeus joyfully received him and in Zacchaeus, we see the response of the redeemed. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by the response of the redeemed? We understand as, as Christians, the Bible tells us that we have sinned, that we have made mistakes, and because of those mistakes, we are consequences. Just as when we disobey our parents, or just as when we disobey the law, that there are consequences for those things, so too there are consequences when we disobey God. But praise be to God that He has seen our state and rather than carry out the sentence, rather than carry out those consequences, He has chosen to have grace and have mercy upon us and He does so by putting those consequences on the shoulders of Jesus who would die on a cross for us, who would defeat death for us. And now he extends this same divine invitation. He extends it to us and says, I want to have fellowship with you. And he forgives. And he has mercy. 
And He redeems us. No longer are we guilty, but now we are innocent. And what we see in Zacchaeus is the response of someone who God has given a divine invitation to, who has received that invitation, and now who knows the freedom of innocence, the freedom of being redeemed. The first thing we see there we've already kind of mentioned, he receives it joyfully. He says he hurried and came down and received him, Jesus, joyfully. He is full of excitement. And my guess is, if it's common, that in receiving Jesus, he didn't just like him and Jesus have dinner together, but he was probably inviting anybody that he knew to come and say, hey, this guy Jesus is coming over, like you need to be there as well. He wanted other people to experience this with him. As I was reading this this week, I was reminded of a story that I don't think I've shared, but if I have, I apologize. Apologize, and it was, but it was a story of some guys at HLG. They were on the baseball team, and we had a young man who was from uh, another country, and he claimed to be uh, related to Yadier Molina. Many of you probably know the catcher for the St. Louis Cardinals. There may be a few of you out there who are covering your ears right now and going, "Sports ball is bad. Sports ball is bad." Um, but Yadier, they, he claimed to know Yadier Molina, and as you can imagine, there was several people that were slightly skeptical of that claim. But sure enough, they go to a game. It's about four of the baseball players and this young man. They go to a Cardinals game. They walk down the dugout. This young man begins to cry out, "Hey, you know, Yadi, Yadi, Yadi." And sure enough, Yachty walks over to the thing and says, Hey, how's it going, man? I haven't seen you in so long. It's nice to see you. And the, the baseball players said, We almost fainted. Like, it was like he was telling the truth. And Yachty, like, reaches over and grabs a piece of paper and scribbles something down. He says, Hey, why don't you guys, after the game, give me a couple hours, but why don't you come over to my house and we'll catch up? And these guys got back to campus and they would not stop him about, ta- about having a Coke and sitting on Yachty Air Molina's couch. Like, they were so excited. There was so much joy about what they had experienced that day. And that is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus has experienced knowing not some minuscule baseball player. Zacchaeus has experienced knowing the God of all creation, the lover of his soul, and his Savior. And Zacchaeus is excited. And if you've ever been around a new believer, you know that excitement. If you've ever been saved, you know that joy that Zacchaeus is experiencing. It is the joy of the redeemed. And it is a sad statement to say that unfortunately, we allow the world to tamp that down. We allow our circumstances to cool our jets, so to speak. And even we as a church sometimes are guilty maybe of saying, calm down, when we should instead be saying, praise the Lord. He was excited. He was excited. So we see the receiving of and joyfully of the redeemed. We also see voluntary repentance. It's interesting here. He meets Jesus. He gets to know Him. He has a relationship with Him. And Zacchaeus' response is to change who he is. He knows, now that he knows Jesus, he wants to be more like Jesus, and so he repents. He says, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor. And then he says this, if I defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. We have no record here of Jesus asking Zacchaeus to do this, but Zacchaeus understands that he was walking one direction, he was living one way, but now that he has met Jesus, he understands he's got to walk this way. And there is voluntary repentance. 
And not only is there repentance, but there is reconciliation. He says, if I've defrauded anyone, I give them fourfold. He understands that he not only needs repentance, he needs to walk a new direction as he follows Jesus, but he understands that there's reconciliation that needs to be made. There's forgiveness not only from God to be asked, but there's forgiveness from other people to be asked. So that he may be a better representation of his new friend Jesus. Brothers and sisters, do we understand that as if you have been redeemed, if you have known Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've trusted Him, do you understand that part of that is voluntary repentance, that we see Jesus and we see we're not living the way we should and we have a great desire with all joy in the world to follow Him and so we leave other things behind? And as we do that, we also understand that that means that there is forgiveness sometimes that must be asked from others. Hey friend, I know that I didn't act like Jesus there. Forgive me. Hey friend, I know that I didn't ask, act like Jesus there. Forgive me. Do we see that? Do we understand it? Do we desire it? Not only is there joy though, not only is there voluntary repentance, but there's voluntary giving. Now, for Zacchaeus, this means voluntary giving of his goods. He says, as he stood before the Lord, it says, Behold, the half of my goods I give to the poor. For Zacchaeus, there was a desire to be generous with what he had. There was a desire to share wealth with those that did not have. It is a common response of the one that meets Jesus Christ to want to give and to have a generous heart. Why is that? Because when you meet Jesus... You meet generosity in the flesh. You begin to understand what He has done for you. You begin to understand that He stepped out of heaven and out of the riches there to put on flesh so that He may serve you in the sense that He does what you are not able to do. You understand that He has died for you. You understand that He defeated death for you. You understand that He gives you eternal life, something that you never could have never purchased on your own, something that you could have never earned on your own. You begin to understand how generous He has been with you, and you cannot help but want to be generous in kind. That is, that is the response of the redeemed. To look at all that we have and say it is the Lord's and to hold it out and say, how can we be generous with others? And friends, it doesn't have to just be goods. For Zacchaeus, that was, that was something, and we'll, we'll get into that just in a second, but for Zacchaeus, it was his resources. That was one way that he could be generous. And certainly for some of us, it may be similar. But it may be your time. Think about this, that the God of all the universe, the God who He is running things, He, has, he doesn't just simply set the world in motion and then you know, ignore it, but that He is looking out of all of this, but He has taken time to have fellowship and to know you. He has been generous with His time with you. He's been generous with His attention to you. His love and His mercy, His compassion, He has been generous with those things to you. When you pray, He is generous that He hears you, that He listens and He responds. 
How much more then, as we realize the generosity of God in those things, should we see others who maybe just need a little bit of our time? Maybe they just need us to listen and to give encouragement. Maybe they just need a little bit of our time that we might serve them in some way. That they need a little bit of our time that we may show the grace and love of God towards them. Whether it be the little kid at VBS, or whether it be the individual that's homebound, or whether it be the lost person who just doesn't know up from down because the world is against them. Sometimes our generosity is not just about what we give. Sometimes it's about what we do. It's about our time. But it is the response of the redeemed. When we see Christ that we can't help but to be a generous people. The amazing thing about the story of Zacchaeus though is that it's not just a story about one individual at one point in history, but that it is an invitation to all of us. You see, Jesus is still in the business of calling. He is still in the business of calling individuals to come to Him. And Jesus seeks you. You may be like Zacchaeus right now in your life. When Jesus calls to Zacchaeus, he is in the most ridiculous position that maybe we could imagine. He is, he is probably embarrassed beyond all belief in some ways, but he was desperate to see Jesus, and now this is where Jesus meets him. In the same way in your life, you may be in a spot in your life where you don't want anybody to see you. You may be in a spot in your life where you don't want anybody to know what's going on. You may be in a spot in your life where you think, I don't, I, don't, I don't want, I'm not worthy of anybody to come and to fellowship and to love on me. And yet Jesus is seeking you right there and right then because praise God, He doesn't wait until our life is in order. He doesn't wait until our house is clean. He wants to meet us right where we're at. And He calls us. He seeks us out in a divine appointment. My guess is if I ask that there could be testimony upon testimony when God has met individuals in this congregation right now, when He has met you in a divine appointment, whether it be the presentation of the Gospel or whether it be through another individual who has loved on you or met a need or whether it be some way that God has provided, He seeks. Maybe you're here this morning and you have never trusted Him. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've just strayed. You know that you have a relationship with Him, but for whatever reason, you have walked away. This morning, He seeks you. He knows your name. He created you. He knows all of the things that are in your closet, so to speak, that you would rather people not know. He knows every thought that has ever passed through your mind. And He desires you. He calls your name because He desires to fellowship with you today. Not only does He seek you, but He, Jesus, destroys idols. It's an important part to this. Zacchaeus gives up his wealth. Zacchaeus makes recompense with those that he has defrauded. Zacchaeus no longer sees money and riches as the most important thing in life. By the way, we're, we are intentionally supposed to contradict this with the rich young ruler that we've met before 
You know, remember the story of the rich young ruler? This young man comes and asks Jesus, how can I be saved? And he says, obey all the commandments. And the young man says, I have. And one of those commandments, by the way, is don't have any idols in your life. Don't trust in anything but God. And the young man says, yes, I've done all that. And then Jesus says, well, in that case, sell everything you have and then come follow me. And the young man says, it says he goes away sad. He can't do it because he does have an idol in his life. He has trusted in his money and he can't possibly give that up. And so he walks away and walks away from salvation. We're supposed to contrast that with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus comes to know Jesus Christ in a relationship. He's changed from the inside out. And when that happens and he places his trust in Jesus, the money doesn't matter anymore. And he's like, yeah, whatever, whatever is mine, I give away. Whatever is mine, I'll, I'll make up. If I've defrauded anyone, I'll give it, I'll fourfold, give it back. He destroys idols in our lives. And this is something that we, we must trust in Him on a regular basis. What is it in your life that you trust in? Is it Jesus Christ? Or is it something else? Is it your own intellect? Is it your other relationships? Is it your family? Is it your wealth? Is it your abilities, your talents, your gifts? Or is it Him? God will not tolerate anything sitting on the throne of our hearts other than Him. And He doesn't do it out of a worldly jealousy. He does it because He knows that He's best. He destroys idols in our lives. We see that in Zacchaeus. He destroys the idol of, of wealth in Zacchaeus' life. And Zacchaeus joyfully lets it go. And Jesus, lastly, as Jesus calls, Jesus changes hearts. He changes us. When we come to know Him, when we come to fellowship with Him, we desire different things. We desire better things. Zacchaeus had spent his whole life trying to climb a ladder. Zacchaeus had spent his whole life trying to amass wealth. And yet, he was desperate to see Jesus. And when he finally meets him, Zacchaeus realizes there are better things. And he lets it go. He turns from the way he's walking. And he turns a different way. And he starts following after Jesus. Because it's better. Friend, if you're sitting here today, and you've been pursuing the things of the world, you've been pursuing wealth you've been pursuing that career you've been pursuing the perfect family and you've realized that all of those things come up short of what we think they will all of those things leave us wanting this morning jesus calls your name and he invites you to have a relationship he invites you to fellowship with him and i promise you that when you meet him you'll understand when I say He is better. He satisfies. He brings contentment. This morning, my prayer is, is that there is someone here that God is calling your name, that today is your divine appointment. That today He is calling your name and saying, I want to I eat with you. I want to fellowship with you today. How do we do that? It's easy. The, the words are easy. 
Paul gets the same question. He says, how, do we, how, do we, how are we saved? And his response is, you believe and trust in the Lord. It means that we see that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, that He's God in the flesh, and we believe that He died and rose again for our sins, and that He is the only way to heaven, that He is the only way for relationship. And we commit our lives to follow Him wherever He may go. He becomes our Lord and King. This morning, my prayer for you is if you're one and God is doing that in your heart, that you would accept that invitation. If you, don't, if you need help with that, come find one of us. We'd be happy to talk with you about it. My prayer as well, though, is that if you're here this morning and you've placed your faith and trust in Him, but maybe you've walked away, maybe you, you kind of began to trust in your own things, that this morning you would remember the call of fellowship that Christ has placed in your life, and you would say, Lord, have it all. Have it all. Because you're better. I'm going to ask the praise team to come back up, and we're going to have a time of response. Maybe your response is to remember the generosity of Christ and what He's done in your life and to sing to Him. Maybe this morning your response is just to pray and, and to ask Him for forgiveness, to ask Him and tell Him that you want that relationship this morning. But I pray that we would respond to His Word. Let's, let's bow our heads for just a moment. Father, we come before You, and Lord, we thank You for sharing this testimony of Zacchaeus. And oh, Father, Lord, how I, how I wish that Zacchaeus was here to tell us in his own words, this is what I felt, this is what I was thinking, and to talk to us about how much better you are than anything else. And yet, Father, Lord, as we went around this room, Lord, there are individuals who could tell us the exact same thing. There are others here who can stand up and say, He is better. He is better than anything the world has to offer. Just follow. Father, I pray, Lord, if there's one here, Lord, that, that You are calling their name, Lord, they can feel, Lord, that you are, you are speaking to them this morning. Maybe they are in a difficult, awkward position in their life. Maybe they are, have been searching for something and everything has fallen short. But Lord, this morning, Lord, as they hear about Your love and Your grace and Your mercy, Lord, as they hear about Your desire to have fellowship with them, Lord, that they would desire that. And Lord, that, they would have the, that You would give them the courage to, to step out in that, to talk to somebody about that, to pray to You and, and to express that to You as well. Lord, that they would know You this morning. Father, I pray for us as a church as well. Lord, that we would not be grumblers but rather that we would have the response of the redeemed, or that we would be a people that would be known for being full of joy, that we would be a people that would be known for reconciliation, that we would be a people known for our generosity as we look, strive to look more like You. Father, I pray this moment, Lord, that You would help us to respond to Your Word. I ask this in Your holy name.